I feel like I'm in the holiday spirit. Made some cookies last night. Noise. And I, I don't want to restart an argument that we had probably about a year ago, the last time chocolate chip cookies were yeah, on my I know mind. I know what you're thinking. Uh, but I froze a bunch overnight, and that was good. And then, because of what I did, I went to the grocery store, and I got a big tub of Toll House cookie dough. You know, they just like sell it in like a mm-hmm. tub form. Mm-hmm. So I got that, and I made a dozen cookies last night, because that's how many fit on my pan, and made those, and ate some and froze some, and then today after work, I made some more, and then right after I made them, and as I was letting them cool on the pan, I went out to get my mail, and want to guess what was in the mail? No, I've well, I can guess if you want me to. I have we're no talking, idea what was in the mail. We're talking. I'm feeling. I'm in the holiday spirit. Like a holiday card. That would have been nice, but no. It was a Christmas sweater that I ordered. Ah. Uh, it is a novelty, ugly Christmas sweater from a podcast that I listened oh to. Gosh, <laughs> I need one of those. I've never had one either. Any, I don't own a single ugly sweater, and it's a real problem. Because, like, around the holidays, there's always, like, ugly sweater competitions or whatever. Like, at school, there were them. Or, like, now at work, there's stuff like that. And, like, it always just ends up being a day where I have to remember not to wear a sweater because I'll inevitably wear a sweater that I like, and then people will think that I think it's ugly. Yeah. And then it's just all, it's just a huge fashion faux pas, you know? It is. Yeah, this is the first one that I've ever owned. I'm currently wearing it. It It's quite cozy. Nice. Not a big sweater person, typically, but it is quite cozy. Oh, I love me my sweaters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this this one's good. It's for a, a podcast called Cortex, mm. which is more or less like a productivity podcast, but I just listen to it because I like the two people on it. It's funny mm-hmm. to me. Uh, but So it's called Cortex, and they refer to their um, listeners as Cortexans. And so, because of that, prominently displayed at the top of the shirt is a cowboy hat. And then various productivity focus, like it's kind of like a pixel art sort of a style, you know? Okay. So it's not just like a picture of a cowboy hat, you know? Like it's like, you know, it is a cowboy hat, but it's not super obvious. And then there's references to email and time tracking and a little Christmas tree in the middle. I like Mm -hmm. it. Nice. Yeah. Did you feel like it's it's ugly enough or whatever for you? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's not it's not particularly ugly. It's not as ugly. I I'll always remember one that Jack had in high school with Christmas lights on it. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. It, it's not much. it's not ugly in the way that the Goodwill type ones are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but it gets there. It gets the point across. I think. Yeah. Nice. And also, uh, in addition to cookie stuff, you know how I told you about mandatory holiday fun? Yes. I was off by a day. It's happening tomorrow. (laughs) So I will, we will, uh, I mean, you know, we'll we'll let the um, the listeners listeners peek behind behind the curtain a little bit. (laughs) Which is that we are recording two days in a row. 
We're recording again later this week and then next week, all in preparation for the holidays. So the listeners yeah. will see that will hear this two weeks from well we'll hear about the holiday thing two weeks after two it weeks happened. after it happens yes but that actually works so. out well because it is right around the, the christmas time okay you didn't get any spoilers about it today did you no other than it seemed like uh some amount of mathematical crafting was involved that, wow that's the a most... math company that has math things happening i know it's crazy <laughs> baffling well, it can't be too math heavy because we're hiring more and more people who are not math people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always forget about that with like a company like that that grows. It always starts with like very technical people, but then the next chunk of people they hire are all non-technical pretty much, I feel like. Yeah, because I mean, for a long time, I mean, even up until the point where I was hired, all the people even in like, except for I guess some of... Well, like our accounting people, I guess we're not super mathy people beyond accounting. Mm-hmm. But our HR person has her PhD in math. Oh wow! Yeah, and but since her, I think it's been a lot of uh, a lot of operations and internal workings. Mm-hmm. We've been, you know, branching out to people who are a bit more expert in that field rather than. We trust that they're capable of learning on the job, you know? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just feel very holiday-y. Nice. I'm glad you feel holiday-y, because I feel 0% holiday-y. Why is that? Do you even have snow? I... No, we don't have snow right now, actually. Okay, it's all that, that does hurt. <laughs> Um, so I was gonna say I I don't I definitely don't have snow so I have to manufacture all the holiday spirit that I can. <laughs> yeah, like we had snow, we had we had snow on Halloween, we had a bunch of snow on Halloween, mm-hmm. um, but now we don't have any anymore. And classic, we've had a couple warm days, and then today today got a lot cooler again. But yeah, it just doesn't really feel super like the holidays to me. And, I don't know, I just... Time feels like it flies for me here. It just, like, zips by. It feels like December just started and, like, wow, we're already way further into December than I was expecting. Um, That is fair. It does feel like Thanksgiving was literally last week. Which, it's not that far off, but it's not that close either. It, It makes it hard to feel like I'm in the holiday spirit because it feels like Thanksgiving just happened. Yeah. And... The other, like, the other edge of that sword is, like, well, you got much less time to get your holiday stuff ready than you thought, Grant. Fair, also. You're going to be going home in a couple weeks. Not even a couple weeks, like, okay, yeah, a couple weeks. But, like, it feels like, yeah, it feels like it's going to be, like, a month or something until I have to go. But, like, nope. Yep. Like, it's, it's coming up real darn quick. Um, yeah, I totally I, get that. <laughs> yeah, I went, I went like grocery shopping today, as you know, and I mm-hmm. was planning ahead for meals and stuff and getting stuff to be able to cook for myself for the next little while here. And now that I'm talking to you about this and noticing how much time I have left, feel like I bought too much food. <laughs> is it all? Is it at least stuff that like, isn't totally perishable? The perishable stuff is 
mostly going in dishes that like could be frozen and reheated easily. Okay. And so now that I'm thinking about it, I'm probably going to be doing that mostly. Um, like eating a portion or two and then freezing a, another portion or two because that's typically how I cook. Um, yeah, I'm. it's just kind of hitting me now. Like I definitely have stuff that is like canned and non-perishable or like just straight up frozen and so it's fine. And I can make it in the middle of January or February or whatever. But I didn't think of it like that. I was thinking like, okay, I got to get stuff planned so I like don't have to do this again like next week. Mm -hmm. And I spent like three days making this list, which is way longer than I normally make grocery lists. And yet you never thought about how long you were actually going to be around. (laughs) Because it felt like I was going to be around for a while. Yeah, but that's my point though. Part of the planning process should be to actually look at things. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Mm. For me, the planning process purely revolves around food and not scheduling. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just assume that I have to eat every day. It's just kind of an assumption in my mind. Well, that's a fair assumption that you do need yeah. to eat every day in general. Yeah, it's just not the... I just missed the... I need to eat every day that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not here... I still need to eat, but I don't, I'm not as responsible for that planning. Most people would agree that you would not be eating there. Yeah, if I'm not here, I'm not going to be eating here, most likely. Yes. Unless I, like, hit the lotto and, like, my first purchase is a private jet or something. And I really decide that I hate the earth and want to emit as many greenhouse gases as possible. So I just like fly back here for all my meals over the holidays. That would be very interesting. I definitely wouldn't enjoy my own cooking enough to do anything of the sort. (laughs) Eh, I don't think I would either. I feel like other people would perceive it as quite rude as well. How many times would I have to just decide to eat out instead at a fancy restaurant before I eclipse the cost of a private jet? Depends how fancy the rest. Let's do this back of the envelope calculation, okay? Okay. Cost of private jet. Let's are say you cost, be of, like, cost of cheap private jet. Are you going to be talking yourself through this, or should the I share a story Cheapest private doing jet this? on the okay. market. Question answered. Uh, goes for about $2 million, okay? Okay. So let's say you eat three meals a day. We're not even going to touch on operational costs, right? No. Okay. So you eat two meals, three meals a day, right? Yeah. So if you wanted to burn through that much money just in food in a year, each meal would cost you um, $1,800. So in other yeah. words, you could last 10 years eating three meals a day where each meal costs about $180. Before you would reach the cost of just the private jet itself. That's that's crazy because I feel like a private jet, most of the cost is actually in like the operations too, I bet. Oh, almost surely. Like paying a, a pilot or a flight crew and like airport fees and whatnot and gas and... Yeah. So I think I'd rather just eat, you know... Or if we say, okay, we're looking at a cheap private jet, so probably we're just going to like places like Applebee's too. Uh, 
But what if... Okay, can I change the situation here? Sure. I'm thinking about, like, what if I, like, got my pilot's license and bought, like, a... I don't know. I don't know what a Cessna is, but I assume that's, like, a small airplane. It's like a prop plane, plane, yeah. That, like, one dude flies. Okay. So, if you wanted to buy... This says an ultralight... I don't even know what that means. Uh, I think that's a different thing. I don't know, though. Okay, but a single-engine one. This says single-engine goes between 15000 and 100000 Okay. but So if I won the lottery, I'm balling out here, so I'm going to get the fancy one. Or you can get a multi... This, I mean, this is just like a very terrible graphic on thebalancecareers.com, so that doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> but it also says that for a small single engine fixed gear aircraft like a Cessna 172, operating costs are between $100 to $200 per flight hour. And that's assuming that you're the one flying, I assume. Yeah, and I'm wondering like where I'm flying like oh, uh, we're getting too many variables in here. Yeah, well this is why I was just comparing the cost of a private jet to food. Yeah. To fly back. That yeah, was the original okay. intention because you're not going to fly a plane that goes a max of 120 miles an hour to Chicago to eat your meals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Us, us talking about this actually reminds me of something interesting to me, though. Okay. So my the place that I currently work is literally, not literally, but less than a quarter mile away from an airport. Um, and so one of my coworkers currently commutes about i think about two hours to work every day two hours to and from work every day and we were joking with them one day about how wouldn't it just be easier to like get your pilot's license and like fly here every day (laughs) and this coworker said actually when they like first got the job years ago it was something they looked into of like okay is there gonna like is there a break-even point here yeah like is because at that at that distance, and depending how much you value your time, we were all thinking like maybe there could be, but sadly for him, there wasn't really an economical reason to do it, because um, the flight would take him so long because Chicago airspace is so shut down or like yeah. locked down that he would have had to take a really bizarre flight path to get to work every day. Yeah. That, yeah, that being one of the many issues. <laughs> the other one being having to file a flight plan five days a week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that would be that hard. I feel like it's one of those things that just like become natural. I, again, I'm like... sure it depends on the area. I mean, my when I visited my uncle in the state of Washington when I moved out here, he's a commercial pilot for FedEx. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took Aaron and I up in a... Uh, plane like a Cessna Um, and he just like did it all from his iPad like I know that it's simple if you like know the right people and have a good you know uh, Mm -hmm. and you know where to go and all that sort of stuff and it's a small little air air, you know airspace area Mm -hmm. not a lot of traffic and it's like a Saturday at like 9 in the morning (laughs) like it's not a big deal depending on the area yeah but yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to get my pilot's license. That'd be a fun, like, 
hey, I got a really like dope job and I make a lot of money without having to do much work. I could totally what am see I you doing do with that. It? That's I I appreciate that you say that because I think it'd be super cool and like super fun. Yeah, like I could totally see you chilling in a plane with the headset on and actually flying. Yeah, I would not do it. <laughs> Why not? I'd just be too scared to be in charge of such things. Like no, when I was no. in the plane with my uncle, I flew for a little bit while we were in the air because it is super mm-hmm. easy uh, once you're in the air. But yeah. it's just it wouldn't be anything I'd ever be committed to doing. That's the, that's the main thing. Like getting the license itself. It's a real is a financial and time commitment. Yeah, and I'm just not interested enough, but. Later on, I could totally see you doing that sort of thing. Yeah. here Here's hoping. Here's hoping that I, I land a cushy job someday where I have a, a high amount of disposable income to that's the right. point where I don't know what to do with it all. That's right. Because that's really the only way it would happen, I feel like. Yeah. Should we, should we transition here? Yeah. So for this week, Mark brought reality check by dave whamond it's a fun last name whamond hope i'm not butchering it um so in this comic we have we have a number of uh generals in a military who also happen to be dogs standing around a sort of like war table or something like one of those tables with a map on it and so there's like some big areas of land and ocean and stuff on this map and there seems to be yellow splotches or irregular irregular yellow shapes uh placed randomly across this map and the dog general that appears to be in charge is holding a yellow marker type thing and says, Gentlemen, as you can see on the map, I have marked our territory with a yellow highlighter. The comic is captioned, Attack Dogs. <laughs> I, I honestly, like it's funny, but I don't think I get it. Like P. Oh, yeah, see, I didn't get it. So now I want to read it at all. As you were reading that, I scrolled down to the comment by Rock and Golfer almost seven years ago. I really want to read it. it, I scrolled past and saw how long it was. I really want to read it. I don't know. We're going to find out. I haven't read it either. It's an adventure on Comical Start. Yesterday, I was at my local Kroger buying a large bag of Purina dog chow for my loyal pet, Jake the wonder dog and was in the checkout line when a woman behind me asked if I had a dog. What did she think? I had an elephant. So because I'm retired and have little to do (laughs) on impulse, I told her that no, I didn't have a dog. I was starting the Purina diet again. I added that I probably shouldn't because I ended up in a hospital last time, but that I'd lost 50 pounds before I awakened in an intensive care ward with tubes coming out of most of my orifices and IVs in both arms. Oh, it's so worth it! I told her that it was essentially a perfect diet, and that the way that it works is to load your pants pockets with Purina nuggets and simply eat one or two every time you feel hungry. 
The food is nutritionally complete, so it works well, and I was going to try it again. I have to mention here that practically everyone in line was now enthralled with my story. Horrified. She asked if I ended up in intensive care because the dog food poisoned me. I told her no. I stopped to pee on a fire hydrant and a car hit me. I thought the guy behind her was going to have a heart attack. He was laughing so hard. (laughs) That was worth it. Oh, I thought I totally like just looking at it and skimming it thought it wasn't going to be worth it. I didn't think so either. Ba- I thought I was going to cut all of this. Based on the first <laughs> sentence of yesterday I was at my local Kroger. <laughs> oh, but it was so worth it. <laughs> so, however, n- none of this is anything to with what has to anything to do with what I wanted to talk to you about. So, it, okay. How do you feel about highlighters, Grant? Ooh, mixed feelings, I'm going to say. Yeah? Mixed feelings because I think they are a a useful tool that is very rarely used correctly, especially when first being taught to people. Hmm. I, have, I have vivid memories of in like third or fourth grade, us, I don't know if this is actually what it was or if this is just like how I'm remembering it, but us like doing assignments to learn how to use a highlighter to like learn how to like highlight things that like correctly in terms of, in terms of like reading a, a article or something and highlighting like main points and important points. I think it was mostly not how to use a highlighter, but mostly how to identify important points in a piece of writing. Now that I'm talking my way through this, pretty sure that's what Seems it was. Seems a bit more applicable. But obviously, when you first give or first hand a kid a highlighter and tell him to read something when and you give a highlight kid a highlighter. Yeah, and highlight the most important parts. They're clearly going to highlight almost everything. Yes. I feel. At least in my memory, that's exactly what I did. I highlighted everything other than, like, the word the. (laughs) (laughs) This feels like we need a spin-off children's book of when you give a mouse a cookie. No. Yeah, but just when you give a kid a highlighter, it'll be our first big merch item. Ooh. Okay. It'll hey, if you're an if you're an animator, all of our Amazon affiliate link, uh, money. Yeah, if you're an animator and are interested in animating this book or illustrating, I guess it'd be Illustrator illustrating this book. Give us an email. Hit us up. We'll get something going. We are open for business. Yeah, I don't think any of our listeners are illustrators, but... Well, we don't know. So... I could be surprised. So, when you were younger, you uh, were not good at using highlighters. Mm-hmm. Presumably, you've improved, but do you use them? I use them very rarely. Okay. In the context of what I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking of, like, in professional settings, um... Because in my real life, I don't, like, in my outside of work slash school life, 
I haven't used a highlighter in years. Yeah. Um, but at work, I definitely use them. And for this conversation, I'm going to include like electronic highlighters, like highlighting things in documents on a computer. Okay. Um, just because I don't always deal in physical documents. So like highlighting a passage in a PDF and making it yellow and just leaving it like that? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, not just like like it's well, something that I'm sending to someone for a purpose. Yeah. Actually, I, no, I, I understand today. that, but it'll be visible as a highlight to someone else. Yeah. As opposed like I just want to make the distinction between highlighting and you select text to leave like a comment. Oh, no. That's like okay. Highlighting something. For example, today I took a screenshot of something with the the intention of emailing it to someone to back up a point I was making. And so I highlighted two spots on that screenshot that backed up my point. And Sounds like an aggressive it email. It, it wasn't. It was... <laughs> Just the way that you describe it. <laughs> it was someone who, like, thought I had made a mistake. And I was just saying, like, no, this is what happened... Like, I didn't make a mistake, and the reason you think I made a mistake is because the 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 shipping company... It's related to a shipping thing. Okay. The shipping company <laughs> had weather-related delays. I'm just picturing you highlighting a Wikipedia article or something. No. That's what I was... Just the way that you described it, that's, what, that's where I went. <laughs> no. Okay. There was just a lot of... There was a lot of, like, text on the page that was completely gobbledygook... Mm-hmm. And so I was just trying to like point out, hey, these are the important parts. None of the other crap matters. And you think you successfully did that in a not aggressive way? Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. Well, good. Um, I hope so. Or I, I, like or I my... guess I meant in like a non-condescending way. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely wasn't because like the page was clearly. If I just sent them the screenshot, it would have made no sense to them. Okay. Of what I was trying to say, because there was so much unnecessary text on the page that was just, as I said, gobbledygook. Like, it made no, it didn't really make much sense unless you sunk a lot of time into understanding what it was talking about. Um, so I do use highlighters sparingly, but like, they have a very specific purpose of saying, hey, it's here's the equivalent big... of just circling something to you. Yeah. It's okay. like, here's a big chunk of crap, and here's the only thing that's important, and so only pay attention to this is kind of what it says. Okay. How do you... Do do you have, like, strong feelings about highlighters, or how do you use them if you use them? I have some on my desk because they were just given to me when <laughs> I got my desk. Yeah. Uh I think I've used them once solely for their color output, namely in our uh, in the tests that we give in our academies. The main way that we give feedback about how well a student is doing is via color because the numbers are not aligned in the way that students or teachers might expect. Mm-hmm. So we denote, you know, we have blue, green, yellow, and red. And I had a blue and a yellow highlighter. And so 
depending on how well a student did, I would put blue or yellow or mix blue and yellow to give them green. Mm. And that's the last, that's the first and last time that I've used those highlighters on my desk. Other people have used them for various reasons. One of my desk neighbors uses highlighters a lot, and that's fine. Works for her, uh, for whatever she does. But I mean, there there are a few reasons. One is that I don't work on paper unless people make me most of the time. Most of the time, I just use a PDF on my iPad. And then I have my own way of selecting things and stuff. I don't use an actual highlight tool pretty much ever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just never grew up using them. And I don't really know why. It just wasn't a thing that ever got instilled in me going through school. Like I don't remember ever using one in a real way. Including uh, any sort of forced way that you're describing. Yeah. So. But I feel like I, I want to. Like, I think that's the big difference. Like, I feel like I'm mm-hmm. an adult now. And kind of how you said, when I was younger, I wouldn't have known. the, I wouldn't have been able to wield the power of a highlighter. Yeah. And I'm more prepared to nowadays, but it's almost too late for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I were, like, in a history class again. I don't know. (laughs) I think, like, many things, they definitely have their purpose. I think they do a really good job, like, in doing what they're supposed to do. But I don't think people typically use them in a way that's really productive. You know? I'm trying to... I'm thinking back to, like, growing up using highlighters. Because I have memories of that early like elementary school time of first learning how to use a or first attempting to use a highlighter and doing a very poor job of it um and serving as the bad example of how not to use a highlighter <laughs> um cuz i feel like either me or my partner in that specific activity were like singled out of like hey let's look at this one let's see what we all think about it oh they maybe could have used it better we're not going to say who it was but maybe they could have done better one of those sorts of things. But then I'm thinking through like all of middle and high school. And I don't think I ever used a highlighter because I like at the time I didn't like them. I didn't see much value in them. And I'm thinking about like my transition back to using highlighting was definitely in college. Not in any academic setting, but as an RA. When I was like very specifically thinking about how to communicate information to residents who didn't care about my emails or anything that I sent them or said to them and trying to figure out how to like draw attention to the things that were important and make it as easy for them to at least pick up the most important bits that like they had to know. Mm. I used Um, a different approach, but the highlighting is interesting. Cause like as an RA, when I was sending emails to my residents, I I used a ton of like formatting changes to draw attention to the most important things that they like absolutely had to read and then to kind of draw I don't want to say draw attention away from but make it obvious that the other portions of my email were slightly less important mm-hmm. in order to encourage them to get at least the like five or ten words that like they had to know yeah you know 
Yeah, my approach with that was just to put in all bold a TLDR at the very front of the email. Yeah. And I, I got I got uh, complimented on that. So that's I another, thought it worked out well. That's probably a better strategy, honestly. I mean, it, it, I think it all depends. Everybody has their own style and, you know, residents are able to deal yeah. with it. So it's not like one is wrong or anything. But I don't know. I think it just wouldn't have occurred to me. Like I don't like formatting in emails. I hate. I hated oh, I, all I, the stuff that came from our central housing department, where they'd use mm-hmm. a crap ton of formatting. And I'm like, stop it. This is not what emails meant for. Like you don't even know if someone can read this. They might be reading it on a phone. Like I was very much a fan of. The only thing you're allowed <laughs> to change is like maybe the font size, but almost never and bold things. Like that's all I ever did in an email. It's funny that you mention maybe they can't read this because they're reading on a phone. Often in college, I would email myself my emails first mm, and look at smart. it on my phone because I knew some of my residents never checked their email on their computer. Pro tip. Pro tip from a pro CA or RA. Wowzers. And so I I didn't always do it. I did it kind of early on in my career to make sure that like these weird formatting things I was doing didn't look dumb. Um, well... Didn't look like illegible or confusing. They always looked dumb. Yeah. I think I, I like your approach of adding a TLDR, like a bolded one at the beginning. I just know personally for me, it's probably good I didn't know about that when I was an RA because I would have tried <laughs> to do it and done a really bad job of it. It like is for hard me, to distill the information down quickly. Yeah. For me, it was just a lot easier to like write my email in paragraphs or bullet points and then just like scan back through it and like highlight the five to ten words that were most critical yeah and if and if they read those words and they didn't make sense then they would have at least had a little bit of a kick in the pants to read maybe the sentence before or after i suppose hopefully get some context but all right we should move on So, Grant has brought Garfield by Jim Davis. And uh, John is sitting in his normal spot, looking despondent, as is Garfield. And John says, time to practice our communication skills. And Garfield uh, begins wild-eyed, tongue sticking out, uh, arms against his side, doing some sort of dancing or just kind of running in place on the table and then john excitedly says there are turkeys tap dancing in the tapioca and garfield points at john and thinks he's good okay grant (laughs) so tapioca oh i we could talk about tapioca if you want that's okay I guess we don't have that much time left to talk, so should we just talk about tapioca? (laughs) I guess my first thing is, I think we've both talked about this before. You're not a big fan of Garfield, are you? Uh, no. I'm not not a fan, but it never really connected with me in any real way. Like, there are some funny ones, but beyond that... yeah. I feel like often I don't get Garfield as much as I feel like I should. This is a very good example. Um, I stumbled across this comic because 
it uses a word that I was specifically looking for. Um, but I don't think I get it. I'm not sure if there's much to get with Garfield a lot of the time. Okay. I think this is more of a goof. This one is just a goof. Okay. It's not Calvin That's and Hobbes. Fine. Don't look too deep into it. I always try to read deep into comics unless they're like very explicit in yeah, terms of like what they're trying to say. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. So the word the word that appears in this comic that I was looking for was or phrase, I guess, was communication skills. And I've been thinking over the past couple of days about communication skills, specifically about uh different people's weaknesses in terms of communication skills. Um, And so I was trying to do some assessing of my own weaknesses in terms of how I communicate. And I was curious to hear from you if there's aspects of your communication that you wish that you did better. I feel like you forgot something very important, Grant. What? You're the second comic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i know but I'll, I'll do my best i didn't know that we were gonna only have a couple minutes <laughs> what always I... happens in the second comic <laughs> mark i never uh, think okay, about what fine. comic i am it's until fine I'm... <sighs> it's fine no let's talk about tapioca instead no, we can do fine. this another we can week talk about communication skills <laughs> okay so what aspects of communication could i be better at is that what you're yeah. asking yeah Hmm. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing is just in general being better at saying uh, what's on my mind without caveats. Like, there's a very Midwestern streak of apologizing for how you're feeling and, uh, you know bookmarking every little thing that you say whether it be a criticism or whatever with additional context in a way to really dull it down mm-hmm. and tied into that is the just lack of uh basically the lack of ability to be confrontational which like i'm not a mm-hmm. confrontational person i don't typically like confrontational people but that doesn't mean there aren't times and places for it and mm-hmm. I am not good at it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's definitely the biggest thing. So you wish you could be more confrontational? Is that what I'm... No, I wouldn't say that. I would just say that I wish that I could be more... Confrontational is wrong. Confrontational direct? is like a... Yeah, direct is definitely the more uh, accurate thing. Okay. And, and honestly, with some people, I can be. Uh, and oftentimes it just depends on the dynamic of a relationship or the context surrounding it. Yeah. And also how, like, the the directness of the point being made is often inversely related or inversely correlated with the directness of the form of communication. If I am talking face-to-face... It is infinitely harder to be direct as if I'm writing up comments in a Google Doc. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Uh, and this is just something I notice at work because this is something that I do all the time at work is like I write pages upon pages of feedback in Google Docs about stuff that I'm reviewing. And it very rarely is something that is like something I'm going to talk to someone face to face about. Huh. That's that's really interesting. Because for me, I feel like it's almost the opposite. Because huh. when I'm like typing something up in a, I would say an impersonal media, like sending a text message or comments in a Google Doc, I'm more a text concerned. Text message is not impersonal. A Google Doc is. Okay. Something that is not in person. Okay. I'm. Or, like, that's further away from Mm in-person. As in, like, being in-person is the most in-person. Like, talking on the phone is in between. And then, like, purely over texting or, like, a purely text media Mm -hmm. is the furthest away. In those types of situations, I'm always worried about, like, how my comments are being perceived based on the wording I'm using. But if I'm telling someone something to their face, I think i feel more comfortable just being like straight up with them because i know there's so many other like visual and nonverbal signals that are being sent their way that kind of can i don't know i don't want to say like tame down the words that i'm saying but but that's exactly it if you're doing it in person and you're taming stuff down via other stuff then it's not quite as direct I don't like. I understand what you're saying that you feel like your word you can say more with your words because you can trust other things to make it less uh, impactful. I don't want to say less impactful, but that I can that make it more accurate to how I'm feeling. Sure. Like if that's, if I'm that's reading fair. if I'm reading something that someone wrote in a sentence like makes no sense, I would never on a Google Doc just type this sentence doesn't make sense. But if oh, I'm, I do that like, all the time. <laughs> but if I'm giving someone someone feedback to their face, I would feel way more comfortable saying, this sentence doesn't really make sense at all. Because mm. I feel like when they just read the text, they could take it as me being like, hey, double middle, middle fingers up to you. Like, this sentence makes no sense. You suck. Whereas I don't, I'm not worried about them perceiving it that way when I'm talking to them face to face because they can see like, my facial expressions and like how I'm, they can this read into how I'm saying it. Really, it. it really is the opposite because so your idea of saying, oh, if I type something in the Google Doc that's, you know, critical, and they could take it as yeah. like a personal attack. It that's where it is. That's that's what I was going to go at, and you've made me realize that it is even more opposite than I thought. The whole reason that I like putting feedback in something like a cool Google Doc is because I find that that makes it much clearer that this is comments about the product not about the person oh if i'm talking to you as a person it i and and again this is my own bias it's like it's it's easier for i think at least for myself if i'm receiving that feedback in person it's easier for me to internalize it in the moment as an attack on me versus Uh if i'm just reading something at my own speed and i can just say okay they were only looking at this thing and looking at a screen and typing what they thought about the thing, then this is clearly just feedback huh. about the thing, and that's it. Hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, I really boofed up making this the second comic. That's this okay. Interesting. We're done this now. Something, <laughs> this is something I want to talk more about, but okay. You have to save it for six months from now. Okay, that's well, fine. We forget we can, that we did it. <laughs> we can do that. I'm good with that. Okay. Have you already stopped recording? <laughs> <laughs>